what the heck is up guys okay so today um i'm gonna be crocheting a scrap poncho and you know i'm not really sure how it's gonna turn out i did not use a pattern i'm literally just crocheting like rows um but you know i'll post that when it's done and if i don't post it that means that it never got done because it didn't turn out the way that my brain thought it would um why do i feel like i don't know how to record a podcast like i haven't been doing this for multiple months now um probably because it's the morning and i've only had like three sips of coffee and i usually have been doing these thursday night but it's thursday morning so good morning howdy y'all are you also having a cup of coffee um maybe maybe not what okay so just a heads up starting i mean today's april 1st right yep today's april 1st um i'm gonna be pretty busy for the most of april um like every single weekend i have something to do so the episodes are either going to be shorter or they're going to be more popular cases with information that's like easier to find um and that's why I'm doing the case that I'm doing today so I did a poll or a like quiz on my Instagram and I said um or I asked you guys if I was doing the Golden State Killer the Hillside Strangler or the BTK Killer um this case that I'm doing that I'm about to tell you what the answer is I will tell you that 13 of you were right <laughs> um this case has intrigued me from childhood because I grew up in the area close to where it happened. Um, and, you know, weird little me that thought that was cool. But today we're talking about the PTK killer. So those of you that said that, you're right. Um, and those of you that said Hillside Strangler and Golden State Killer, I will also be doing those cases soon. <laughs> um, how many times have I said um already? I don't know, but you know what? Go ahead, grab your projects, um, grab your crafts that don't include crochet hooks, um, grab your coffee, grab a snack, grab an alcoholic beverage, and if you're sober, grab a water. Um, you can drink other things than water, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay, let's, let's take a break. Let me drink some coffee. You know the drill, and let's get into this. I got a new tattoo on Monday, so four-ish days ago, and it's so pretty. It's a little butterfly, and like, although it doesn't have meaning, it also does, like, butterflies, I don't know, for me, it symbolizes, like, the friends that I've lost at too young of an age, but not to get deep, <laughs> but I don't know, I'm looking at it right now. It's so cool. I'll post a picture and tag the artist her name is Minju and she's amazing um but let's talk about murder now not tattoos um but now that I know a tattoo here where I live I a tattoo a what now that I know a tattoo artist here where I live I'm probably gonna be spending way too much money on ink so that's okay though I want to be unrecognizable except for by my face so, Dennis Rader. Yeah, Dennis Rader. 
is a serial killer in America who is known as the BTK killer, which stands for Bind, Torture, Kill. He also went by the BTK Strangler too, but is usually just called BTK, which is a nickname that he gave himself. So lame. Also, I get so irritated calling him the BTK killer instead of just BTK because it's Bind, Torture, Kill, Killer. No shit. Oh, I cussed. <laughs> um, duh. Like, oh, my computer's locked. This episode is already going downhill. Like, n- no. Of course, Captain Obvious, BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill, Killer. No, just BTK. It's not that important. Um, he was born on March 9th, 1945, and you all know that I like to know the killer's zodiac signs, um, so if you do too, he's a Pisces, along with multiple other serial killers. I almost said John Wayne Gacy. No, he is, yeah, because he has the same birthday as my friend. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, he's a Pisces. There's, I don't know. You'll notice that I'm also not talking about him in past tense, and that's because, sadly, he's still alive. Um, But he's also 76, so he's old and gross now. Not that all 76-year-olds are gross, but he definitely is. Um, Once you've killed one person, you just automatically are old and gross. Um, Yeah. His killings happened between 1974 and 1991, and during these 17-ish, 18-ish years, he killed 10 people in the Wichita and Park City areas in Kansas, which is super close to where I grew up as a kid, and I knew I was a little messed up by how interesting I thought that was, like, being in third grade and being like, oh my god, BTK's in Wichita, and I'm like 45 minutes away. <laughs> like, girl, get a better hobby. So, I like to go into the background of the killer, not to give them an interesting story, but just because my future job is literally going to be, like, professional stereotyping. So, I like to read up on what they went through as a kid or young adult, and then what led them to be the terrible person that they turned out to be. Um, so, if that offends you, I'm sorry, but my degree in education bleeds into every aspect of my life, and it's terrible joining the club. Yes. So, Dennis Lynn Raider. That's my aunt's middle name, and I wanted, like, if I ever have, have, slash, if I ever, I don't know, if I have a kid in the future, I wanted to name them, like, something Lynn in honor of her, but now that I know it's his middle name, too, I'm not really sure that's gonna work out. Um, yes, so he was born March 9th, 1945, whatever, to Dorothea May Raider and William Elvin Raider. The names were so hard to read for me, and I do not know why. Um, he is one of four sons, and he was born in Pittsburgh, Kansas, although he grew up in Wichita. Both of his parents worked long hours and paid little to no attention to their children at home, and Dennis often talks about how this led him to feeling ignored by his mother, and he ended up resenting her for it. Bingo. Hatred for women due to the maternal figure in childhood. It never goes well. It never goes well. Or the infatuation with the mother figure. Um, Just both ends of the spectrum. Never, never goes well. So from a young boy, um, from a young age, from a young boy, grammar dennis had sadistic sexual fantasies and if you don't know what that means it basically means like he he liked inflicting pain and punishment onto people for sexual motives um it's a kink 
I don't know. He often fantasized about torturing helpless women, and he also dabbled in zoocidism, which is self-explanatory, and I I don't want to say what that entails because it makes it real for me. Zoo. Just think about that. Um, Dennis also acted out fetishes such as voyeurism, which is watching others partake in sexual acts, um, and it doesn't even have to be sexual acts, it can just be, like, peeping toms, like, when they watch people undress from their windows, um, and autoerotic asphyxiation, which is intentional oxygen restriction for the purpose of sexual arousal, so, like, choking, um, and dressing up like a woman, uh, we don't kink shame here, you know, but when you end up doing the things that he did, we definitely kink shame, um, he would often spy, I said soy, um, I don't think that's what I meant to say, he would often spy on neighbors while dressed in women's clothing, uh, all down to the underwear that he had stolen, and he also liked to masturbate with ropes around his neck. Okay, dude, (laughs) go off. Uh, years later, during his off periods as a serial killer, Dennis took pictures of himself wearing women's clothing and a female mask while bound in ropes, and he later admitted that he was pretending to be one of his victims as part of one of his sexual fantasies. God, dude. I don't even know. But while this was all happening, he kept his sexual fantasies hidden hidden from the public because he wanted his community to see him as a normal and polite dude. They did. They, you had them so convinced uh he attended kansas wesleyan university after high school which is a i don't know if it's private but it's like a religious college um in salina i think you know i don't really know there's sirens outside my window happy april 1st um he studied there for about a year but he dropped out after that uh, because his grades weren't great. They weren't bad, but they were just like average grades and he felt like he could do better with his life. So he went on to serve in the United States Air Force from 1966 to 1970, but then was discharged and moved to Park City where he worked in the meat department of Leaker's IGA supermarket. I would not want to buy meat from some store called Leaker's, but go off. Um, and there at that supermarket, his mother did the bookkeeping yeah uh dennis then married paula deets i never know how to say her last name and guess what i should have researched it but i did not like always um it's d-i-e-t-z so you do with that information what you will but i think it's deets um they got married on may 22nd 1971 and they had two children named carrie and brian i typed brain do you hear the sirens i don't know if you heard that or not I hope nobody died. Um, he then attended Butler County Community College, uh, which is literally where my little sister is going next year, so I'll have to tease her for that. Actually, I think I already have. I don't know. I have the memory of a nut. Um, anyways, he earned an associate's degree in electronics in 1973, and then he enrolled in Wichita State University and graduated there in 1979 with a Bachelor of Science degree in Administration of Justice. Sounds a little bit like Ted Bundy, doesn't it? He also went on to work as an ambassador, no, not an ambassador, an assembler for the Coleman Company, but moved on to work for ADT Security Services, where he installed security alarms for homers, homers 
homeowners concerned about the BTK killings. Yeah, so he was literally in their houses protecting them from him. Yeah, I don't know either. Raider was then, I don't like calling him Raider because in my brain I see like the football team. Dennis then was a census field operator supervisor for Wichita for the Wichita area in 1989. So basically, homeboy could not keep one job, um, and he consistently changed jobs all the time. I don't know if he got fired from them. I think honestly, he was just like, mm, "This is boring," and left and did something else. I don't know. But in May of 1991, Dennis became a dog catcher and compliance officer in Park City, and this is where things get really sad and yucky, so if you don't like things about dogs, um, definitely skip ahead a few seconds. But in this position, people recalled him being extremely strict, as well as bullying and harassing single women, and I read somewhere that he would purposely contact the owners of the dogs that he captured and tell them to call him to get their dogs back, but then he would put them in the pound and not tell them that he put them in the pound and say that he had the dogs with him. And when they were calling him nonstop to get their dogs back, he would never answer their calls, which ultimately led the dogs to getting euthanized. Sick. Sick. Go to hell. So on top of all this, he was also elected president of the church council at Christ Lutheran. Yikes. Christ Lutheran Church and was a Cub Scout leader. What a great community guy, right? On July 26th, 2005, after he was arrested, his wife got granted an emergency divorce and in an interview with ABC, his daughter Carrie, um, which she has a whole book on him, I'm pretty sure, but she said that she still writes to her father and struggles to see him as the BTK because her childhood seemed so normal, which I get, you know, I, if I found out one of my family members was a serial killer that was responsible for, like, multiple brutal murders, yeah, it'd be hard to, you know, believe that. So now we're gonna jump into the murders, so buckle in, get your snacks and projects ready, and let's get into this. On January 15th, 1974, four members of the Otero family, I'm probably going to mispronounce that, it's O-T-E-R-O, so do with that what you will, um, four members of the Otero family were murdered in Wichita, Kansas, and the victims included Joseph Otero, which was, he was age 38, Julia Otero, who was age 33, Josephine Otero, which was age 11, and Joseph Otero Jr., who was age nine. Their bodies were found by the family's three oldest children who had been at school when the killings took place. Um, And when Dennis was arrested in 2005, he confessed to killing the Otero family, whose case had been unsolved since 1974. Dennis wrote a letter that had been stashed inside of a book in the Wichita Public Library in October of 1974, which described in detail the killing of the Otero family in January of that year. Um, and I don't know if, like, nobody found it just because of the books that he read. Like, nobody read those kinds of books. They were all engineering books, because that's, like, the major that he graduated in. Um, or if someone did find it, and they were just too scared to tell anybody about it, so they just left it there. Um, I don't know. 
but between the spring of 1974 and the winter of 1977, he killed three more women, Catherine Bright on night or no, on April 4th, 1974, Shirley Van Relford on March 17th, 1977, and Nancy Fox on December 8th, 1977. And in early 1978, he sent a letter to Cake Wichita, which is a news station. I don't know where Cake all goes to, but it's a news station in Wichita. And they claimed, or the person writing the letter, claimed the responsibility for the murders of the Oteros, Catherine Bright, Shirley Van Relford, and Nancy Fox. Um, the author also suggested multiple names for the news to call him, including BTK, which is the one that stuck. He demanded that the media broadcast his letters, and it was finally announced that Wichita had a serial killer at large by the time his second letter was sent. He needed attention. He needed attention. Um, a poem he wrote called Oh Death to Nancy claimed that he was driven to kill by Factor X. Uh, this is a supernatural element that also motivated Jack the Ripper, Son of Sam, and the Hillside Strangler, all according to him. Um, him as in BTK. He thought that there was a Factor X. I, I don't know. He also intended to kill more, such as Anna Williams, who in 1979, at age 63, escaped death by coming home from work much later than expected. Uh, Dennis explained during a confession that he was obsessed with Anna and was livid when she escaped. Uh, he had spent hours waiting in her home, but became impatient and left when she did not return at home at the time that he thought she would. I got this advice from a professor one time, a female professor, and she was like, never have a routine. And we were like, what? And she was like, if you drive to work the same way every morning, switch it up. If you walk the same path every time that you go on a walk, switch it up. She was like, never let someone know that you do the same thing every day. And that's some really good advice. So do that. <laughs> I don't know. Maureen Hedge was 53 and was found dead on May 5th, 1985 between North Webb Road and North Green Greenwich Road. Sorry, ours are my problem. I speech impediments, dude. North Webb Road and North Greenwich Road in Wichita. There we go. Dennis had killed her on April 27th and took her body to his church where he was the president. There, he took pictures of her body in various bondage positions, um, and he previously had stored plastic black sheets and other materials at the church in preparation for murder murders, and then later took the body to a ditch. His name... No, he named this plan Project Cookie. Yeah. So whatever you believe in, this man is going to hell. In 1988, after the murders of three members of the Fager family in Wichita, a letter was received from someone claiming to be BTK, in which they denied being the one who had done the Fager killings, and the writer credited the killer of the Fagers, saying that they had done admirable work. Sick. It was also not proven until 2005 that the writer was in fact Dennis, and that he was not considered to have committed this certain crime. So, two women that Dennis had stalked in the 80s and one woman that he had stalked in the 90s filed restraining orders against him, and one of them even changed their address to avoid him. I guess that he kept this all super well hidden from his family, because how did they not know that he had not one, but three restraining orders? Like, don't you have to go to court for that? Or don't you get mail that 
says that you have restraining orders. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, his final victim, Dolores E. Davis, was found in February, no, on February 1st in 1991 on North Meridian Street in Park City, and he had killed her on January 19th. So, by 2004, the investigation of the BTK killer was considered a cold case, but Dennis just couldn't stay quiet. Um, I really do believe if he wasn't such a narcissist, he would have gotten away with all of the killings. Uh, but he ended up contacting the local media 11 times, which directly led to his arrest in February of 2005. So in March of 2004, the Eagle received a letter from someone using the return address as Bill Thomas Kilman. Uh, the writer claimed that he had murdered Vicki Wagerly on September 16th in 1981, 1986, not 1981, and enclosed photographs of the crime scene and a copy of her driver's license, which has in fact been, had, not has, which had in fact been stolen at the time of the crime. Uh, before this, it was not established that Vicky was a victim of the BTK killer, but in this letter, he, he told them he was, and they believed him, and, and there's more sirens. What is going on? The world is ending. In May of 2004, Cake in Wichita received a letter with the chapter headings for the BTK story, fake IDs, in a word puzzle. And on June 9th, a package was found taped at, to a stop sign at the corner of First and Kansas Roads in Wichita. And it was, it had graphic descriptions of the Otero family murders, including a sketch that was labeled, The Sexual Thrill is My Bill. There was also a chapter list for a proposed book titled The BTK Story, which mimicked a story written in 1999 by Court TV's true crime writer David Lore. Uh, chapter one was titled A Serial Killer is Born. So basically he just like wanted an autobiography written about him because he was sick and gross and weird and a narcissist. Um, in July, a package was dropped into the return slot at a public library and contained the claimed that he was responsible for the death of 19-year-old Jake Allen in Argonia, Kansas earlier that month, but the claim was fake and the death was ruled a suicide. So when he was arrested, Dennis admitted that in his... I'm so sorry. I literally cannot talk. I don't know what's happening in my brain. When he was arrested, Dennis admitted in his interrogation that he had been actively planning another murder and had set a date for sometime in October 2004 and that he was already stalking his victim. In October of 2004, a manila envelope dropped into a UPS box in Wichita and had cards with images of bondage of children pasted on them, along with a poem threatening the life of lead investigator Lieutenant Ken Landwehr. There was also a false autobiography with many details about Dennis's life. These details were later released to the public in hopes to find more information about the possible suspect. And in 2004, Wichita police received yet another package from BTK, which was found in the Wichita's Murdoch Park. It held the driver's license of Nancy Fox, which was noted as stolen from the crime scene, as well as a doll that was bound at the hands and feet and had a plastic bag tied over its head. I honestly wonder, like, when he killed his victims and took their IDs, if he was truly doing it for, like, the sick trophy collecting thing that they do, um... Like, they, they'll take a ring or a piece of cloth from the shirt. You know, stuff like that. Um, just to keep it as, like, memorabilia of the victim. 
So I don't know if he was doing it for that or if he was doing it because he knew he was going to later on like taunt the police with them. I don't know. I want to know. And that's the psychologist in me. <laughs> so in January 2005, Dennis attempted to leave a cereal box in the bed of a pickup truck at Home Depot in Wichita. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the box was thrown away by the truck's owner and surveillance tape had caught, um, like surveillance tape in the parking lot had caught a black Jeep Cherokee and someone leaving the black Jeep Jeep Cherokee. Oh my gosh. I am going to go to bed and never get out. So they caught someone leaving the Jeep, going to the truck bed, putting the cereal box in it, and going back to the Jeep. So they knew whoever this was, was in a black Jeep Cherokee. That's what I was trying to say, but I don't have the English language properly ingrained in my brain. So in February 2005, more postcards were sent to Cake, and another cereal box was left and found to contain another bound doll, apparently meant to symbolize the murder of Josephine, the 11-year-old, from the Otero family. So after all of these letters and packages and cereal boxes sent to police, Denna had asked if his writings, if they were put on a floppy disk, could be traced or not. Uh, the police responded to him in a newspaper ad posted in the Wichita Eagle saying that it would be totally safe to use the disc. Totally fine, dude. Go ahead. Send us a floppy disk from your computer with your data on it. And on February 16th, 2005, he sent a purple 1.44 megabyte Memorex floppy disk to Fox TV in Wichita. Uh, he also enclosed a letter, a gold-covered neck colored necklace with a large medallion and a photocopy of the cover of rules of prey a 1989 novel about a serial killer obviously the police had lied and they found metadata embedded in a deleted microsoft word document document that was still stored on the disc the data contained the words christ lutheran church and the document was marked as last modified by someone named dennis an internet search found that Dennis Rader was the president of the church council. <laughs> Weird. And when they drove to his house, a black Jeep Cherokee was sitting in his driveway. And since all of this was just circumstantial evidence, they needed to dig into it a bit more to obtain an arrest. Um, so they decided to get a warrant to test a pap smear taken from Dennis's daughter at the KSU Medical Clinic. And the DNA showed a familial match between the pap smear and the DNA from a victim's fingernails, which indicated that the killer was closely related to Raider's daughter. And combined with all the other, all the other evidence, this was enough for an arrest. Imagine your vagina being the reason your dad gets arrested for being a serial killer. Amazing. Chef's kiss. Moi. So he was arrested while driving near his home in Park City shortly after 12 p.m. on February 25th. And an officer had asked him why he knew he was getting arrested, like if he knew what was up. To which he replied, oh, I have suspicions why. I bet you do, you sick person. The Wichita Police, KBI, and FBI agents searched his home and vehicle, taking evidence such as a computer, a pair of black pantyhose found in a shed in the backyard, and a cylindrical container. I don't want to know what it was used for. The church he attended, his office at City Hall, and the main branch of the Park City Library were also searched. 
And at a press conference the next day, the chief, Norman Williams, announced that BTK had been arrested. Throw a party. No more serial killer in Wichita. Um, I bet that feels like... So, I don't know. We've never really... I mean, not we. I have never experienced the feeling of having a serial killer at large in my city. So I bet that's really relieving. Hearing like, yo, homeboy's been caught. You're good to go. But there's probably more people out there that are going to try to kill you. So maybe not. (laughs) On February 28th, 2005, Dennis was charged with 10 counts of first degree murder. And on March 5th, news sources claimed to have verified confessions to the 10 murders that he was being charged with. On March 1st, his bail was set to $10 million, and a public defender was appointed to represent him, but on June 27th, he pled guilty and described the murders in detail, making no apologies when he was finished. At his sentencing on August 18th, the victim's families made statements, after which Dennis apologized in a 30-minute long monologue in his statement had been described as an example of an often observed phenomenon phenomenon among many psychopaths, which is the inability to understand the emotional content of language. He was sentenced to 10 consecutive life sentences with a minimum of 175 years. So yeah, he's literally never going to get out. Kansas did not have a death penalty at the time of the murders, but it is thought that if they did, he would have received it easily. On August 19th, he was moved to El Dorado Correctional Facility, and on the drive there, he talked about boring things such as the weather and the ride, but it was said that he began to cry when the victim's family's statements from the court proceedings came on the radio, and I guarantee you those people driving that van were like, yeah, we're gonna make him listen to this, as they should, as they should. So he now spends his days in solitary confinement for his own protection with one hour of exercise exercise per day and three showers a week. This will most likely be the rest of his life, as it should. Um, after he was arrested, the police in several surrounding cities looked into unsolved cases with the help of the KBI and the FBI. They paid extremely close atten- attention to cases after 1994 when the death penalty was reinstated in Kansas And police in states such as Nebraska, Missouri, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas also investigated cold cases in their states that fit his pattern. But after multiple investigations and no further murders linked to Rader, the 10 murders are now believed to be his only murders. Uh, Rader claims there was a lot of lucky people that got away from him or that he himself decided not to attack because he was just so gracious. So I like to look into the psychology of things, obviously, and... There was a psychologist named Robert Mendoza who was hired by Raiders Public Defenders to conduct an evaluation and determine if an insanity-based defense would be valuable. It's really hard to tell when you can plead insanity, but in his case, like, there was literally no way that he could because he knew what he was doing was wrong because he was hiding it so well. Um, and he knew that if people knew about it, like, he wouldn't have been seen as the respectable public figure that he was. So yeah, there was no way he would get an insanity plea, but I digress. In his evaluation, he diagnosed Rader with, like I suggested earlier, narcissistic, antisocial, and obsessive-compulsive personality disorders. He suggested that Dennis believed that he was special and he needed 
attention and admiration, with a complete lack of empathy for his victims. And that's the case, folks. <laughs> that's BTK. Um, do you think... I have, I have a question for you. Do you think that he was responsible for more murders? I don't know. Because here's my thing. Here, here's my thought process. He knew he was never getting out of jail. He knew no matter what, whether he had less murders or more murders, he was going to be in jail for life. Like, after you kill two people, you're in jail for pretty much life. So he knew that by admitting to more, he wouldn't have received any less of a sentence. And he already was, like, so gung-ho about admitting to all the things that he had done. But at the same time... Serial killers are liars. They lie. So, like, why would he admit to more? But also, why wouldn't he? I don't know. What do you think? Tell me. Message me. Let me know. Let's talk about it. I really do enjoy talking to you guys. So, like, I'm not kidding. Message me. Let's talk about it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was today's case, and I'm so sorry that I was having a stroke the entire time and literally could not read simple English. Uh, I hope that next week will be better. It's not even like, like, last week wasn't my break week, it was two weeks ago, and I feel like last episode, last week's episode was fine, English-wise. Um, but if this episode seems really skippy, it's because I literally had to stop and edit, like, so many times. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I hope you guys have a great Easter if that's what you celebrate. And if not, enjoy a couple days off of work if you get them. And if you don't get a couple days off of work, how does capitalism feel? I didn't even say that word right. <laughs> I'm gonna cry myself to sleep tonight. Um, yeah, I don't know. Enjoy your day. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. I have these really cute projects that I'm working on right now. Um, I posted about them on my story last night, but it's going to be like a, a collection. Like you don't have to buy them all together, obviously, but I'm going to release them as a collection, but it has to do with strawberries, blueberries, and pineapples. So keep your eye out for those. Um, I think that's about it, friends. I'm, I'm glad that you spent this however long time with me. Um, I'm glad that you sit here and listen to my annoying voice every week. I never thought that I'd be able to stick to something for this long and not get sick of it. Um, but yeah, you guys are my friends. You guys are my dudes. And before I get too sentimental, I'm going to send you away and tell you to lock your doors and not talk to creepy men and always watch out for the president of the church. Okay. I love you guys. Goodbye. <laughs>